Alright guys, Abel here again with another progress update episode where I want to cover some cool topic that is on my mind at the time. And this time, since this weekend I once again have a bit of a surprise for you, I'd like to talk about the topic of getting stuck in the intermediate stage as a lifter, which I would assume is something that a lot of you listening to this have experienced at some point, maybe you are there right now, and in either case, you know that it's a frustrating place to be. So say you're in this place right now. Um, Up until this point, you made some good gains. Your body has changed a lot. Your lifts have maybe doubled compared to where you started out. You put on maybe 5 to 10 kilos of muscle. And now things are just not really happening anymore. Um, You look at pictures six months or a year ago, and you don't really see the difference. You're trying to squeeze your eyes together and try to give yourself a bit of a pep talk that maybe my delts are a bit bigger or yeah, maybe I can see my upper chest coming in a little bit more. But if you're being honest with yourself, not really. Like you basically look the same. And when you weigh yourself at the end of your cut, you weigh exactly the same as you did last year when you cut down to the same body fat percentage, which is something to expect once you have been hammering at it for 10 years and you're certainly scratching your netty max. But after just a few years of lifting, no, you should still be getting better. So it's an annoying place to be. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about this a little bit. So in a general sense, what is it that makes people get stuck at the intermediate lifter stage? And if I had to pick one overarching theme, it would be lacking the ability to do things with a long-term perspective in mind, which is an ability that you don't yet need when you're a beginner or novice lifter, at which point you can basically do things in the hopes of seeing quick returns. Because really, you do see quick returns. You know, you put on 2.5 kilos on your bench press every week. Sometimes when you have a good day, maybe even 5 kilos. You feel enthusiastic about this, of course. And you do the math in your head that in a month you could put on 10 kilos on your bench. And often, you really do. You also look bigger. You gain more confidence in the gym. Maybe even grow some invisible lats when you're walking. But, you know, whatever. We all go through that at some point. And now, after a year or two of doing this, things have changed. The math that you do in your head about how much you'll put on on your bench in the next month doesn't quite play out like you planned. You may be stuck at the same weight and reps for one or two weeks, or you may have some time when you regress, so what the hell. Also, you don't seem to be seeing something new every time you look in the mirror. So what's going on? And the biggest thing that's going on is that changes in your performance and in your body composition are just not happening at the same rate as they once did. And also, it takes more to make things move in the right direction than it once did, which means two things. For one, you need to work harder to get less, and you need to change your expectation as far as the rate at which you'll be receiving positive feedback for your efforts. And While a lot of the specific tactics and methods that you need to apply in the gym are interesting to talk about, 
perhaps is more relevant the change in your outlook that you need to institute. Because when you are a bit more experienced in the weight room, the question you need to be asking yourself is often not, what could I do today to take things to another level next week? But rather, what should I do in the upcoming weeks and months to maximize the chances that in two or three months, I'll be in a better position than I am now. You know, Eric Helms used the bake the cake analogy a few times, which I think was really on point. And to paraphrase it, to bake the cake you want, you simply need to put the ingredients together to the best of your abilities, set the temperature right in the oven, put in the cake, wait for an hour, and then just hope that the cake will come out as you planned. And if something is not as planned, then you can go from there. So that would be the basic premise. And with that, let's get into some of the concrete stuff that often go wrong with the progress of intermediate lifters. And as always, luckily or unfortunately, I can speak from experience here. So let's start on the training front. There are a lot of mistakes that we could talk about here, but there are two major ones where I think it's worth starting at. So one is thinking in terms of training programs as opposed to training variables. And the second one is not being methodical with these training variables. So none of these mistakes are a guarantee of shitty progress per se, but they just make it incredibly more likely that one will make shitty progress. So first, what's the problem with thinking in terms of training programs as opposed to training variables? Well, it is a problem because if you think in terms of concrete protocols, it's too easy to look at a training split, say something you saw somewhere on the internet, and put that on a pedestal without actually thinking about how it ranks in terms of the variables within any given training protocol that matter. So let's say you're doing a training split that one of your favorite YouTubers have put out, and let's say it's called the Aesthetic Body Cheat Code Protocol. And you're starting out with that, you're making really good gains, your strength have increased a good amount on a lot of different lifts, and after eight weeks, you're really satisfied. But then, another favorite YouTuber of yours, who also has an awesome physique, also seems to know what he's talking about, puts out a training program which is called the Ripped Physique Fast Track Protocol. So you think, God damn it, both of these guys have really great physiques. Both of them seem so smart. Both of these programs have a cool name. So, man, which one should I pick? And if you actually stop for a second, you could have realized that, well, actually, both of these protocols have me do 12 sets per muscle group per week, and both have me train each muscle group twice per week, and both recommend leaving two reps in the tank on any given set. So probably both would be roughly effective for muscle growth. Now, okay, this is a mistake that many of you guys probably won't be making, and probably many of you understand that there aren't training protocols per se that will work the best for you, but it's about organizing a set of variables like volume, intensity, proximity to failure, frequency, etc. But then comes another big issue, which seems to affect the otherwise knowledgeable trainees almost as much as the new starters, which is not being methodical with the organization of these variables. So 
Let's say you've been following a protocol that has you train each muscle group three times a week. You leave one rep in the tank on each lift and you do 10 sets of volume for each muscle group. Your progress is okay. You're able to increase your loads on average by about 2% per week, which is pretty good. But then you come across a Mike Isretel video where you hear him say that most lifters will make their best gains on 12 to 18 sets for this muscle group and 14 to 20 sets on this other muscle group. So you think, shit, I need to up my volume on these body parts. So you go ahead and do just that. Um, what will happen? Well, probably acutely, your progression will slow down a bit because of the higher fatigue, which is probably going to mask your strength progression for a while. In fact, you may even need to regress in weight temporarily. So for the first one or two weeks, you can't even really tell what this protocol is doing to you. But after three or so weeks, you get into the groove of things again, and you start steadily progressing on some lifts. On others, your progress might be still a bit slower than it was before, so you're not too sure what this protocol has done for you exactly, but you keep going. Then, all of a sudden, you come across an article or a podcast episode where Menno Henselmans is talking about the benefits of high-frequency training, and man, does this guy sound convincing. So you think, maybe I should up my frequency from three times a week to five times a week on these muscle groups. Okay, so you do that too. Then, after two weeks, you come across a Facebook post where Brett Schoenfeld is talking about the benefit of doing some heavy, strength-oriented work from time to time as part of a periodized plan. So you change your rep ranges on a few lifts from, say, sets of 12 to sets of 6. And then, all of a sudden, you look up and go, man, I just feel beat down, I don't feel well recovered, my elbows are killing me, my shoulders are inflamed, and my back is feeling pretty funny. And then after one or two weeks, it just gets worse. So you freak out and take a week off of the gym. So then you reflect on what you did. It's pretty evident that something needs to change because you were definitely feeling pretty shit. But exactly what should you change? Well, an easy way to tell is to just look at what you've been doing. Um, but what were you doing? So you trained a muscle group three times a week with 10 sets for a few weeks, and then you trained it for 16 sets three days a week. Then you did those 16 sets distributed over five training days, and then you did that while including some heavy work. So over the course of the past few months, you did a lot of different stuff. So what exactly is the baseline we should go off of? Because some things have worked because you made some progress, and some things definitely backfired because you felt quite beat down. But what exactly were the things that worked and what were the things that backfired? Was it the initial increase in volume that granted you the good progress or was it the increase in frequency? And then was it the increase in volume that made your joints hurt or was it the inclusion of the heavy work? Would you have been fine if you increased frequency and included some heavy work, but you didn't increase volume? Or would it have been okay to increase volume and intensity, but not frequency? you can't tell because you changed so many variables. So this is really a critical thing that many intermediate lifters tend to overlook, and I know I've done it a lot, which is you don't just want to do things so that you can create the best conditions for long-term growth, although, of course, that's certainly important, but you also want to create the conditions so you can accurately assess what has worked and what hasn't. 
And I guess you can see the main underlying problem, which is jumping on different things that seem gratifying and promising in the moment while sacrificing the long term, which in this case, long term success means either managing to progress and make positive adaptations to a training program, or if you didn't make positive adaptations, at least being able to look back at what you've been doing and assessing what should change. So in a way, two outcomes are acceptable. Progressing as planned, which is of course great, or not progressing as planned, but then being able to identify the things that didn't work so that you can set yourself up for success going forward. The only thing that's not okay is not being able to tell what worked and what didn't work. I hope this makes sense. And with that, let's get into some diet stuff. So if I had to name the number one thing that stands in the way of getting from the early intermediate stage to eventually the advanced level for many guys, it would be spending too much time cutting. And this is obviously a topic that has been beaten to death on this channel quite a bit, but in a large part, it again comes down to the inability of developing a longer term perspective. So again, say you made your newbie gains, you now have some muscle to show for at least, you cut down to a leaner body fat percentage for the first time, you get to see your abs, it's amazing, and then you learn about how to build muscle correctly, and you learn about the fact that you can't really force feed muscle gains, and you need to take it nice and slow, and you only need a smaller caloric surplus. So you put yourself in 150, 200 calorie surplus, and you start your lean gaining phase. It goes well for a few weeks, and then you get invited to some social events, you overeat a little, your calories shoot up, your weekly weight increase might be a bit bigger than you would have planned for, and you may also look a bit softer in the mirror, which a good chunk of this is, of course, water retention, but you get a bit disappointed with yourself. And then maybe you have one or two weeks like this in a month, and so at the end of the month, you will have put on, say, two kilos instead of just one, and you see your abs being blurred out quite a bit compared to how it was at the end of your cut, so you get frustrated. And at this point, unfortunately, more often than not, one of two things will happen. Either you decide that, you know what, I messed this one up, I'll cut back down again in a few weeks, I'll undo this damage, and once I'm lean again, I swear I'll be more on point with things. And then, of course, more often than not, at the end of a four-week mini-cut, you just rinse-repeat the whole process, and you just end up doing these one-month mini-cut, mini-bulk cycles back-to-back, -back, which ultimately gets you nowhere. Or after you realize that you gained a little too much weight at the beginning of your bulk, you just say, ah, fuck it, I messed this one up. So you just get a lot looser with your bulk. You just start eating without as much structure. So you get sloppy, start eating kind of crappily, even when you're at home by yourself and not even eating out, which of course just results in even more fat gain. So in your second month, now you're up by two and a half kilos, at which point you're really hating yourself. Maybe you'll have another month like this, at which point you look in the mirror, just being utterly disappointed with what a will-less weak person you are. And at that point, you decide that it's now time to cut. And now you need to spend several weeks cutting down pretty aggressively to cut down what you've gained. And in an ideal scenario, you actually manage to cut it all off. And in some worst case scenarios, you 
abort the cut midway through, get back to gaining. Then two weeks into your new gaining cycle, you go on Instagram and see your shredded influencer friends start panicking. You start cutting again. And before you know it, there went six months out of the year and you spent at least half of that in aggressive deficits and maybe you're still fatter than you would want to be. So, you know, um, there is a saying that is pretty applicable to many areas of life, but I think it applies pretty nicely to bulking. And I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but it goes something like, life is better with oh wells than what ifs. So I'd say there are multiple ways to succeed on a muscle gaining phase where at the end of it, you may look back and say, well, you know what, maybe I could have done some things a little better, but I accomplished what I set out for myself in the beginning. So at the end of the day, it's all good. But if you're trying to be so perfect with your muscle building phases that at the end of the day, you end up actually not being in a muscle building phase at all because you just end up perpetually cutting instead, you can easily look back at the process with a lot of regret. So when it comes to building muscle, I see guys succeeding with two different methods primarily. One method is the very slow and steady gaining where they barely see an increase in weight week to week, or maybe they don't even see an increase at all. But over the course of a month, there's a nice upward trend and the gains are very lean. And when you, when you look at the pictures they post on Instagram, they basically look exactly the same week to week. But when you compare their pictures in a six month time frame, you go, whoa, this guy definitely made some gains. The other camp that I see regularly succeeding on gaining phases are the guys that start eating in a relatively hefty surplus. You see them getting bigger and a bit softer every month. And after three months, you're like, oh boy, this guy got quite chunky. But they just keep going. And after six months or so, they're starting to look more like a power lifter in the heavier weight classes. But then they do a 12-week cut. And when they strip the fat off, you're like, damn boy, you made some serious gains. And yes, before any of you comment this, there's also the option of doing some mini cuts in the midst of a bulk every two to, two to three months. But that's basically the same option as the latter one, just split up and organized in a bit of a different way. But the point is, both options are valid. You can go slower for longer and accrue fat mass slower, make leaner gains, or you can go faster and gain fat a bit quicker, and both approaches are valid. And of course, both have their downsides and their element which makes them hard. If you go very slow, it gives you relatively little room for error. And in a way, you almost need to be as disciplined as if you were cutting. And things like eating out will be just a little bit easier than on a cut. So you can never really loosen up on a very lean gaining phase. But unlike on a cut, you need to maintain this diligence for really long periods of time, which by itself, of course, explains why not that many guys succeed doing this. But the ones that can pull it off will see some impressive results. If you go faster and gain fat a bit more quickly, that also has its downsides because you will see your physiques deteriorating a bit faster, which is psychologically difficult to pull off, especially in the age of Instagram where everybody is shredded and aesthetic and of course everybody gets huge without losing any app definition. So to keep eating in a hefty surplus while you're seeing yourself looking progressively worse in most cases is mentally unrewarding and it's just inherently easy to get demotivated. 
which again explains why most guys won't be able to mentally pull off a longer successful gaining phase with this strategy. But the ones that do pull it off will again see some good results. But the bottom line is something will have to give. Either your vanity and what you want to see in the mirror day to day or your life flexibility as it pertains to eating. And in real life, it's relatively hard to find people that are comfortable with giving up either one of those things for prolonged periods, which then again explains why we don't see that many people reaching the advanced level of training status. And of course, it's important to mention that when it comes to gaining, there are in-between options. So you can, for instance, give yourself a range of weight gain per month where everything between half a kilo gain and two kilos gained is acceptable. So you aim for the slow gain. But if you go out and maybe rack up a bit more calories than you would want to, you don't have to freak out because you can still meet your monthly goals. Or you can, of course, do more aggressive gaining periods interspersed with some mini cuts. But as long as you're spending some meaningful amount of time gaining, it's at least acceptable. The only thing that's not going to work is spending half the time or even the majority of the time cutting. So all in all, those would be the four big mistakes in terms of training and diet that stand in the way of people reaching the advanced level, in my opinion. And of course, we could point out a lot of individual things like picking suboptimal exercises or not training hard enough. But in my opinion, A, those tend to correct themselves over time automatically. But more importantly, those are almost sub-problems that arise from not having these large fundamentals in place. And if all of this 20 or so minutes of information was a bit too much to take in, just keep this one sentence in mind. And that may serve as a useful guideline for the future. Train really hard, but not so hard that you get overtrained or injured and eat really well, but don't try to eat so well that you develop disordered eating, and you'll probably be on your way for pretty good results. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and liked what you heard. And if you did, then I think you definitely love our SSD training and nutritional course that we recently put out with Burge Fagerli. This program not only contains a 12-week phasic training program that you can use to time efficiently and safely build the best body you can, but also gives you four plus hours of video lectures about managing your nutrition and lifestyle to not only look good, but feel and perform optimally. So if this sounds interesting to you, then go ahead and check out sustainableselfdevelopment.com. And of course, to not miss out on future episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and you'll be up to date on everything we'll be putting out. So thank you for hanging around up until now and see you next time.